Welcome to the Skies Were Under podcast, hosted by me, Rachel Wright. This podcast is created by and for parents of people with disabilities and the many practitioners who support us. It's just for all of us who are trying to get from one end of the week to the other whilst bridging the gap between the life we expected and the one we're actually living. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm founder and director of Born at the Right Time. I'm a qualified nurse, the parent of three, and I've got an eldest son who loves swimming, pointless, and has complex disabilities. I wrote the memoir, The Skies I'm Under, and I'm thrilled you've joined us for another episode of The Skies We're Under podcast, which shares the stories of fellow parents, so we can all feel a little less alone and a little more understood. Today, you get to eavesdrop into a conversation I had with James Hunt earlier at the start of this year. We talk autism, being a single parent, and the hero status given to dads and not mums. Hello and welcome to the Skies Ronda podcast. And I am thrilled today to bring to the podcast James Hunt, who's a single dad of two boys who are both autistic. For the last six years, he's been sharing stories about their lives online at Stories About Autism. He's led to hundreds of thousands of followers. No, I'm not too jealous. And an amazing community of mutual support. He's got a really active Facebook page, Instagram website, podcast, all under stories about autism. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Hello. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Well, I've been digging. James, I've been digging into your past. Okay. (laughs) That's scary. And I've discovered it kind of, there was some tennis at one point. Yes. Yes. And there was some marketing at one point, and now it's autism advocacy and communication. It looks like a completely natural (laughs) progression of career and life. When you are juggling all your different roles, podcasting, being a social media guru, what is it that you like to do now? And what's the stuff that you have to do every day that kind of occupies your time? Okay, so stuff that I have to do is my boys being a dad and more recently in the last year I've become a carer for my parents but now specifically my dad my mum has moved into a care home a few months ago and we've actually moved into my dad's house Mm. so in order to speak to you today I've had to get him set up and uh big change you know hope that he'll stay still for an hour (laughs) and leave me to talk to you um, but we'll see. So yeah, the vast majority of my time is taken up by my boys and my dad. Yeah. What do I like to do aside from that? Uh, well, I, I don't know really. <laughs> There's no. I exercise is huge. <laughs> is there any time left? Yeah. That's who that, am I? Yeah. I think we all go through that that phase, right? Of of trying to figure mm. out, you know, life changes, and then what what does that mean for us? And and yeah, yeah. Who are we? <laughs> so. For me, in order to cope with everything and to and to be sort of the dad and the carer that I need to be, I've learned that moving <laughs> helps. You know, doing some exercise, whether that's today I went for a walk along the river. I've not got back to the gym yet since the boys have gone back to school. You're not picking up any rackets anymore? Yeah, so I, I actually I do a little bit of tennis coaching, only three or four hours a week. Uh, that started since after the first lockdown. So I hadn't picked up a racket for years. I used to coach... Um, Gosh, 15, 16 years ago now, which is scary because that makes me sound old. But <laughs> I snapped you. You're obviously a child prodigy. <laughs> I stopped once, once Jude was, or a little bit before Jude was born. 
coaching. And yeah, after the first lockdown, people locally just started approaching me saying, oh, you used to coach tennis, didn't you? I was like, yeah, I did. So yeah, so I did a few lessons a week, which is good because it's given me some some new friends and just gets me out of the house mm-hmm. and, and interacting with with other adults. So yeah, that's 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 the main thing. Yeah, <laughs> having grown up conversations. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your family? Um, you've said about your you've got two boys. Tell us about your living situation. You've just moved in with your dad. How's that evolved in the last sort of decade? Sure. So I have two boys. Uh, Jude is 14 and Tommy is 11. They're both autistic. Both have a few diagnoses, but autism seems to be the the more dominant one that, that we focus on or that is, you know, anyone focuses on. Living-wise, we've got quite a unique living situation compared to, to most families. Me and their mum separated about six years ago and the boys really struggled being around each other. Tommy was a trigger for Jude's meltdowns and Jude at the time was, you know, he was really self-injurious, um, having these huge meltdowns that were very traumatic for, for everybody involved. And that went on for a few years before we'd separated and we naturally came to splitting the boys up within the house, you know, one upstairs, one downstairs, one at the park, one at home, mm-hmm. doing that quite a lot because Jude just struggled. He struggled with all children. It wasn't just Tommy. Mm. It was just he found all children overwhelming and unpredictable and, and loud and he just really couldn't cope with them. Did that have an impact on shrinking all like loads of social situations for you? Or was that quite sudden or did that kind of grow on you as a family? It was one of those things that we came to realise quite soon, quite early. I mean, both Jude and Tommy were diagnosed around sort of 20 months. So, you know, that's the time that you start going to birthday parties with yeah. your toddlers and, and doing those kinds of things. And that they all went wrong. <laughs> you know, we'd go to these events and, yeah, I'd, I'd be outside pushing him in the pram, trying to calm him down. And, and you know, and then you'd, as they'd get a little bit older, you'd get invites to farms and things like that and it was just too much and and it, it became yeah yeah clear quite early on that we was going to have to live a little bit differently and not go to these things or or go to them with tommy was always coped a, a lot better in those situations mm. so maybe we'd go with tommy and, and jude would be at home so being separated like that came quite naturally in a way and then when We'd been through all of that and we were getting to a stage of separating. We sort of came to realise that it was just going to be too difficult looking after the two of them ourselves, you know. Two of them just with one person, yeah. Yeah, like when obviously there'd be times that we would be alone with them, just the two of them because of work or, or, or different things. And if Jude was having a meltdown, that would typically trigger Tommy to have a meltdown because he was scared and... And mm. and then you've got the two of them, and you you know it, it was really difficult at the time. So it's a bit of a crescendo, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we decided that what we'd try. Um, we didn't necessarily know it was going to be such a long term thing, but we'd separate them and have one boy each, and swap over every couple of days, and it made an instant impact. 
I'd just rented a place and the first day we moved in, Jude went and, you know, it's quite scary because you're bringing him to a new house and trying to, you know, he's got no understanding of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he did was walk around into every room, go upstairs, come back downstairs. And it was like there was a visible sigh of relief because Tommy wasn't there. And he did that for the first month. Every time, every time he came in the first month, he did the same thing. He explored the whole house until he was satisfied that it was just me and him. And then it became expected. And did he do that at his mum's house as well? Was that yeah. the pattern that he had? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So that's sort of a believing the security kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of seeing what he felt safe with, you know, finding that out. It's not quite marking your territory, but sort of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> prowling it at least. <laughs> and then from that, over time, there's just a, a big reduction in, in those meltdowns and behaviours because home was a relaxed place. Mm-hmm. And it meant I was getting one-to-one time with him and then getting one-to-one time with Tommy, who had probably suffered in the past because Jude was sort of the focal point and the o- older sibling and having s- such struggles, Tommy was the one who almost got put on the, the, the back step at times. And I got a much closer relationship with Tommy from within months of, of, of living like that. And like I said, it, it was kind of a, let's see what happens. And we had a, their relationship probably when we tried to bring them together, it was just the same. So we continued and yeah, now we're, we're six years later and that's how we live and that's become our normal. That's what they expect. And, there's a positive side to it is that in the last year we have been re- starting to reintegrate them with the help of school and the school have been get, getting them to share fun activities together. So mm-hmm. using the sensory room, going on a trampoline, uh, you know, and spending 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, just giving them snippets of time together and trying to show to Jude that, it's okay to be around Tommy. Like it's fun. It's not mm. such a bad experience, and mm. and it is working. It it's they are more relaxed around each other. They are getting to spend little bits of time at home together. It's not a full day and night, but it's time. Whereas before that wasn't possible. So yeah, we, who knows what the future holds? But we'll, we'll see. A few years ago, I never would have thought. I think when we get to our often when we go through our hardest moments, we just assume like this is what it's going to be like forever. And there's going to be, you know, okay, well, just continue like this and this. So I never would have thought that they'd spend 20 minutes together and have fun and mm. be happy. They might mm. be around each other and hate it, but they're actually smiling and enjoying each other's company. So who knows? It, whether it's they spend a couple of days a week together, you know, they might never live together full time, but there's hope now that, that they'll have whether, you know, maybe there's a wedding I need to go to and and their mum can have both of them or there's a holiday or, you know, there's an emergency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This year where my parents have been in ill health, there has been times that they've spent together at their mum's house because of emergencies. Necessity, yeah. And it would have been a lot more stressful if that then would have caused meltdowns and all that old behaviour, but they coped. So if we can get to that stage, then that would be amazing. 
it's it just that little glimpse, that little sort of glimmer of your family life and your perspective as a dad is really interesting how it's like, well, I thought I was going to have two boys who were going to like do parties, play dates, you know, farms, whatever, thick as thieves, whatever, kind of, you know, that kind of life. And then suddenly I realized, were they not only different children to what I imagined, but their relationship wasn't even, you know, fisticuffs young toddler thing but they just couldn't exist happily together and then there is this big adjustment in your expectations your mindset then there's an an adaptation in how you live and function as a result there's a bit of a settling and then you start seeing changes that you never thought were possible like positive things and I I feel like that's the pattern of so much of my life like the no this isn't what I thought ah okay it is what's happening right well we'll do this about it all right let's do that then oh that's getting a little bit better that's getting a little bit easier but I would like to get to that fourth stage sooner (laughs) but I don't seem to be able to but as parents we have to go through this no, that's not how it's supposed to go, phase. And then all the adaptations and adjustments. I mean, I know I can walk into the room and my seven-year-old, um, I mean, this has happened once. Don't think this is like a regular occurrence. But my seven-year-old was reading to his 17-year-old brother one of his favorite books. So it's like The Gruffalo or something really predictable that the, the eldest knows and enjoys. And he's smiling and reacting occasionally. And my heart kind of, swells at sort of you know that's nice they don't really connect except when the youngest one tries to make the oldest one watch stuff that he wants to watch and then blames him that that's what's on the telly but essentially you know I get really sort of pleased that there's any kind of interaction between them and then I get suddenly at the same moment really heartbroken that it's not the other way around so it's always this mix of emotions. It's like it's so nice they can spend 20 minutes together. That's like it's really beneficial. But it doesn't take away the, oh, there's also this underlying layer. Or maybe that's just me. Maybe you're able to compartmentalize those emotions a little bit better. No, no, not at all. I, I think you've described it really well. I think, and it's never static, right? It's not like, you have that emotion once and then it goes and Mm. there'll be more milestones or events or things that happen along the way that that these feelings resurface again and they might not be as raw as they were when they were free but they still exist when they're 14 there's still something else there's still like i will go to the park and there'll be kids who i recognize who at the same age as Jude or Tommy, and they'll be on their own, you know, or they'll be on their bike riding back by themselves, or they'll be having a football match, or so there's there's all these things, and it, you know, they don't massively impact my day. They don't, like, I don't come home heartbroken every time I see it, but it always crosses my mind every single time, and sometimes it's a moment. It's like you've got, you do have these scars, don't you? You have these little wounds or these like little previous traumas yeah and I I think from talking to others people seem to expect like it just stops and and maybe it does for some people but what I think happens is 
Yeah. <laughs> what I think happens is we just become better able to cope with it and better able to, you know, we're not, maybe at, when they were five, it might, I might be really glum for a week because of something that's happened. But now it's just a passing moment and it's still as a flicker and, and you think, oh, I wonder what life would have been like if, you know, we could all go on holiday to... Yeah. It's a powerful hallucination, that kind of what-if world. I imagine it like I'm living on a cliff edge and it's, you know, living on a cliff edge is hard work. Like yeah. the wind, the rain, the unpredictability weather, the garden is so much harder work to maintain. The views are beautiful, like are stunning. But I, there are occasions that I can get knocked off that cliff and, you know, emotions realities of the fragility of life and the vulnerabilities of my eldest son lands me back on the beach but now I've done the route back up the cliff so many times it's like I still can end up at the bottom really quite easily you know I can still feel the depth and the tsunami of emotions that I felt in those really quite early years and days but I have like a toolkit of ways of getting back up the cliff, whether that's help from other people, whether that's, like you said, moving your body, whether that's Netflix and chocolate is definitely <laughs> my preferred yeah, method. <laughs> I know you could be healthy and do exercise, but... Yeah, but that's it. You're, you're healthy in the morning and Netflix and chocolate yeah. at night. That's the... The co-parenting, like you say, the co-parenting sort of situation that you have is quite different. Are there any things that you have learned over the last six years about? Because I, I just imagine it's hard enough when you're in a relationship trying to share that information. Do you know what I mean? The information about your children, about appointments, about things, about you know what what's working, what's not working. How do you manage the logistics of that kind of co-parenting, being in different places and keeping your kids sort of centered in all of that i think it largely comes down to a relationship mm -hmm. between you know you and, and the other parent and of course in the beginning it's hard because you you're breaking up for a reason there's a there's a reason that you're no longer together and, and emotions and, and things around that but i'd say you know I'd, I'd always want to be have a good relationship you know with the mother of my children of course i would but I think we got pushed past that stage very quickly because of the fact that our boys can't communicate or can't, you know, I can't ask Tommy, what did he do today? Mm. Or, you know, when did you last go to the toilet? What food did you have? What We, we couldn't ask any of those questions. And I guess we, we just realized that, you know, we lived together for, you know, whilst the house was selling for five or six months, you know, technically separated that was probably a lot harder than communicating afterwards because you've actually got some space and and you know nowadays you can send a long whatsapp you can send a voice note you don't have to have a long conversation at every time we lived close by to each other you know so we're swapping every day or two so we were we just had to have like a relationship and luckily that's continued anyway so you know, we're now six, seven years down the line and, and things are really good. We can go to school meetings together. We can go to, you know, appointments, doctor's appointments and stuff like that together if needed. You know, we've always both taken a very active role and 
and, and been able to work around it. Born at the right time, we're passionate about improving the lives of people with complex disabilities, whether it's through supporting their family, CPD certified training for practitioners, or influencing policymakers and providers to turn rhetoric into reality. You can find out more about our work, whether it's book on a parent workshop, attend a live podcast event, or check out our range of practitioner training in communication, collaboration, and personalised care by visiting our website, www.bornattherighttime.com. What are the reactions? Do you think you get treated differently as the dad within those meetings and those appointments? Like, is there a, and I, yeah, I don't know whether that's different because you are co-parenting and therefore, I don't know. Tell me what you think the difference is to how this works out for you and how this works out for Jude and Tommy's mum. I think in the early days, definitely you know, even when we were together, when we're both there, a lot of the conversation was towards their mum. And back then, to be honest, she was a lot better at talking about it than I was anyway. She was the one who was spending more time with them because I was at work. And I found it really hard to talk about this stuff and talk about autism and, and disability. And, and it was very emotional for me. And I wouldn't talk anywhere near as much. You know, if we was in a meeting... I'd probably contribute 10, 20% of, of what she would. So naturally, I guess, yeah, the professionals would turn to her. I think over time, maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know if probably a lot of professionals probably don't even know we're separated. But yeah, I think I'm given a lot of grace. I'm given a lot of, especially online, like I'm told I'm amazing a thousand times a day and I do know more than than their mum would. But it's, it's mums who are saying that. So whether that's a reflection of that, you know, their experiences, or whether how shit their husbands are, <laughs> um, or like I, I know I, I do things that aren't a big deal. That you know, they're just things that I should be doing for, for my kids, or for, and it is seen a lot higher than the work a mum does. Have you seen that TikTok or YouTube where the, the, I think she's an American comedian a lady who's like, she's done this song about how, you know, she does the laundry, she does the cooking, she does the whatever. They go out, they're in the park and someone turns to her husband and goes, you're such a good dad. And she's got this whole song of like, <laughs> That's like it. She's got it. I do this and I do this. And then all you have to do is like show up for one thing. You're like, oh, you're such a good dad. <laughs> I wish I had that role. I wish I could be that dad because unfortunately I, I do have to do all the laundry and the cleaning and the and the cooking and everything else. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. Two houses. You know, what's that about? When we were talking about what we we're going to chat about in this podcast, you talked about being a sandwich carer. Mm. And I imagined you with like a big baguette with some cheese and pickle or whatever your choice of, of, of sandwich would be. But I don't think that's what you mean. You're talking about your, the, we're at an age, aren't we, James? Let's be honest. Our parents are getting older and we have, and it's interesting, isn't it? So I guess what's different is lots of our peers when they're at this age and their parents are getting older is their kids are more independent. 
And so your kids are like teenagers when your parents start getting a bit and needing just a little bit more input and a little bit more sort of hands-on support, except our young people are not proving to be infinitely easier to support. And so you're being pulled in lots of different directions. And I, I, kind of, I kind of feel like it's a little bit just having like more, more, like you talked about having Tommy and Jude's different priorities and perspectives. And then suddenly that, it seems as though that ring of people of, uh, that you're trying to juggle the needs and perspectives of has just gotten even bigger. That's obviously been a big transition for you over the last 12 months. On reflection, sort of start of a new year, is there anything that you're taking on from 2022? You're like, okay, you know, a little bit of like where we started of, okay, this is not what I expected. This is my adjustment. Where are you up to in that little cycle we just described as far as being a parent and care for your parents? One of the things that's, that's come to me and I've realized that at different points along, you know, the last 15 years or so is, but it's sort of highlighted again is sometimes you don't realize how hard things were until you're out of it and we get to you know when we're in sort of crisis mode and it might be for weeks or months or years even mm-hmm. then when we things get a little bit better and we look back and then you do think how did we keep going like that for for so long how did we do that <laughs> So that look over the shoulder is like... Yeah, like the last 12 months have been incredibly tough and it was, it's was it been increasing over sort of two or three years. Of uh, So my mum has dementia. Mm-hmm. So she was diagnosed about two and a half years ago. Um, but that, you know, it had been starting for a while and it took a long time to to get to a, to that stage. And then my dad has Parkinson's and he's had that for a long time and it's been gradually you know getting more and more physically less able and in the last 12 months it's like it all collided at once and my dad got a lot less physically able and and unwell my mum uh dementia become a lot more advanced and I was yeah I was back and forth between two houses I was having to do things ideally I shouldn't be doing and and you know I've got two boys who are very used to thrive on routine and and structure and having to like mm. leave them asleep at night and drive around. I mean, we only live two minutes apart, but like you know, rush around in the night because my mum's wandering the streets or you know things like that that just you don't expect. And and like you said, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. when uh, this kind of happened to my parents and their parents when I was around 16, 18, something like that, you know, they they needed a bit more help. But yeah, I was living my own life and, and independent and doing things. And, and it is very different. And what's happened over the, the last 12 months is we're now at a stage where, like I mentioned, my mum has gone into care because it was literally the, the only option I had. Um, but she's so much happier and so much safer. It's a respite initially because my dad was in hospital and, and it just, within a few weeks, she was there for a couple of weeks and it's like, she's a different person. She's so happy. Like she's so relaxed. And it was like a sign almost to say, like, this is the right decision. 
Yeah, this is okay. Yeah, and because of that, and then my dad needed more help. It was like, well, I'm still going back and forth between two houses and trying to trying to juggle everything and what happens. I'm just checking cameras and getting alerts and, you know, you're not ever relaxed. You're just on edge constantly. Mm. So, yeah, so just before Christmas, we moved in. We'd been building a, a garden annex uh, for, for me and the boys. So that way they've got some space. That's to them, that's daddy's house. It's a transition that I was petrified of because I thought, you know, is this going to cause them to be upset? And, that you know, I can't explain to them why we're moving house. Yeah, look at all the progress we've made. Yeah, I can't explain to them why we're moving house, where the house has gone, the routine's changed, and it's been so easy. <laughs> Honestly, the two, three days around moving, I... People were like were looking at me saying, like, Are you okay? Like you don't seem very well. <laughs> like you you look like you're about to like collapse. <laughs> like, I was so scared. Vomit. Yeah. And then from the first day, Tommy just you know, we did, you know, like the pictures and social stories and was trying to prepare him for for the change. And he just understood. We just laughed and <laughs> went into this garden cabin and that's his home <laughs> now. Fantastic. Have there been any real kind of aha moments within, because from your stories and stuff, the boys both communicate sort of differently as, with each other or do they have similar ways of communicating with you? Have you had any real aha moments or things that you found really helpful? Yeah, so Jude is quite like your son. He, you know, he, how much he understands, I'm not sure. I have to keep language very simple when explaining things to him. You know, I couldn't prepare him for the house move. You know, as much as, or we we showed him photos of no idea how much he he would understand of it. You know, for him, everything's the here and now. There's no tomorrow, yesterday. And his methods of communication are very much just grabbing me by the hand and taking me to to what it is that he needs or you know shoving my hand towards the alexa or giving me the remote control or um yeah yeah and with him brute force yeah so a lot of that comes down to just knowing him and intuition and knowing that you know what it is that he wants and needs he's very predictable like that Whereas Tommy definitely has a much better understanding. His understanding of language has exploded, I'd say, in the last couple of years. And he... That's exciting. Yeah, it is. It's really exciting. He can say a few sort of single-syllable words. He can say da. Um, He doesn't finish it. He doesn't put the the other D on the end, but he can say like da. So he'll say like... Take it, take it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like, you know, he... He'll say the first letter of a word, basically, of whatever word it is. And he uses an AAC app to communicate as well. So he he can get his sort of basic requests across. And one of the things we, we video all the time is we, we go to the shop every night. Uh, something that started during mm-hmm. lockdown and something to I do. I love those videos. Um, it, it's been going for nearly three years now. And, it, you know, that actually has really helped with his communication because when we first started going, I was guessing what he wanted from the shop. And then, you know, I might know that he wanted a cake, but now it's a pink cake or a blue cake or, a, you know, so he's able to mm-hmm. to describe mm-hmm. and uh, lots of dad, I would like a present 
at Christmas. <laughs> uh, so, you know, things like that, which are incredible, you know, they, they make such a difference. And he is able to express a lot of what's going on or what it is that he wants. You know, there's, there's still a long way to go. There's still lots of things that, you know, where he's unpredictable and you're not sure why he's frustrated or angry and he can't quite get those feelings across. But he can tell, generally tell me what it is that he, he wants. I feel, I don't know what it's like with your voice, but I feel that with my son, any sort of communication that we've kind of, that he's progressed with or nurtured or as soon as emotions come into it, like as soon as he's not happy that something's not going the way he wants, like he's not happy that the TV program is the not the one he wants, then you can say, okay, tell me what it is you want. Do you want this? And he'll just be like, his, you know, he's like, mm, mm, like, mm, mm, but anyway, he'll just say it to everything. It's like, you're not actually, you no, know, you need to be quiet if you don't want it, tell me what it is you want. Sometimes you feel like you're a flipping film DJ or whatever, because you're like, he says yes to it. Just It's like, just change it. It's not what I want. But clearly in his head, there is something that he yeah. wants because yeah. it's like the fifth or sixth thing that you put on that it's like, oh, okay, that's what you wanted. But he, as soon as it's emotional, it's like his capacity for the turn-taking, for the, the pattern, the routine, it just just flies out the window it's like it's like it's more than he can he can handle Born at the Right Time is a proud partner of Simple Stuff Works. Together, we champion the protection of people's bodies through engaging and enjoyable training, looking at 24-hour postural care and specifically the importance of lying support. Whether you're a novice wanting a short three-hour online course taking you through the basics, a specialist practitioner needing comprehensive training, or anything in between, we have a range of CPD-certified courses just for you. Find out more at www.bornattherighttime.com, where we give you the language, skills and confidence to protect people through excellence in 24-hour postural care. Which brings us from a communication point of view... You want to tell us about an app? Yes, yeah. So that's that's something that's happening this year. From one of my TikTok videos of Tommy using his communication app, it went a little bit viral, and you know, loads of people asking me, "What is it? How does it work?" And then lots of people saying, "It's so expensive. Why is it so expensive? Like it's my fault. <laughs> it's so expensive." And generally, you know, why did you pay so much money for it? So then I did a video back saying, well, there's this little thing called a disability tax where anything that's made for people who are disabled is way more expensive than... than, than you add a couple of zeros you know, on. Exactly. But at the same time, I mean, the, the app, I think full price is like £200, £250. I'm sure I paid less for that on like a special promotion. And for us, Tommy's been using it for five years, so... Of course, it's a great investment, and maybe he'll, maybe he would use it forever. Obviously, for lots of families, that is out of reach, and it's a big barrier to to being able to try this this technology. So, long story short, I got an email from an app developer who had seen the video, was really interested in in trying to come up with some some solution. We've been talking for like six months, and yeah, later this year. It's been put back a little bit because there's a little problem, a t- technology problem, way out of my 
depth that they're fixing at the moment. <laughs> There's no point in telling me anything about it because... It's it's to do with voice technology. I, I don't know. But yes, we are creating an app that is going to be more accessible. It's going to be much cheaper and it's going to be even better than what is out there because we've been looking at new features and, and solutions and making it more user-friendly. And yeah, we're confident that later this year we'll have something really exciting to share. Well, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm looking at sort of things for our kids, when it's a parent that's kind of brought, developed it, brought it, been spearheading it, that those things tend to be a actually really useful <laughs> and, you know, really applicable because sometimes you get the development and then you get the consultation of the people who are actually going to use it, you know, the sort of the add-in of opinions and whatever, and that's valuable. But then you're kind of steering something that's already been made. But when it comes from, I guess where we started, where it comes from our lived experience you've brought in, I don't suppose it has tennis involved, but, you know, all the different aspects of your life and the kind of the complexities of the way your boys communicate as well as the like what you want the device to do is going to be in there in the essence at the very very beginning I think that's really really exciting I can't believe it we've already run out of time James I feel like I've been here five minutes um but before uh, we finish would you mind if we just do a few rapid fire questions no go for it what was your favourite subject in school? I was going to say PE, but that's too obvious. Uh, history, because I did, I did a history degree. You're looking like you're trying to work out what's the answer I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because it's hard, isn't it? Like, I, I'm useless at picking a favourite anything. It's like, oh, but what, what, what about that one? Like, <laughs> I can't leave that one out. So, yeah, PE and history. PE and history, okay. What's an ordinary moment that brings you joy? I don't know what an ordinary moment is anymore. <laughs> There's, there are no ordinary moments. Um, seriously, an ordinary moment is like last night was an ordinary moment with Jude of him just watching him, listening to music and dancing around this room. Nice. Very nice. Seeing that smile on his face, knowing where he's come from years ago is, is perfect. That's what I mean about the view, the cliff edge you know, is a scary place, but the views when you've fought so hard to be there are just breathtaking. Absolutely. What's the last photo you took? I'm waiting to do this and then someone be like, um, uh, but no one has yet had anything highly inappropriate. <laughs> last photo was a selfie walking on the river this morning. Nice. You're a superhero. What's your chosen superpower? You are really indecisive, aren't you? I am. I'm very. This is, you've found my character flaw straight away. <laughs> my superpower would be. It's automatically, I was going to say fly. But it doesn't sound good enough, but yeah, I'd fly. Ah, oh, so many people have gone for fly. I think that's just the first. Because when you think superhero, you think Superman. It's just the first thing that comes into your head. Yeah, Superman. Well, let me tell you, I would teleport. I'd love to like just suddenly be somewhere else. None of the journey, none of the track. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I've got my friend over in Albania. I'm just going to go and have a cup of tea with her. Done. That's what I'd like. Yeah, well, it'd take me an hour to fly there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how fast of a superhero you are. <laughs> What's your comfort food of choice? Ice cream and chocolate cake. 
I was really worried then you were going to say something really healthy and I was going to have to edit it out. <laughs> You're going to be like... No, that's what I said. You've got to be healthy in the morning and then in the night time you can have the ice cream and chocolate cake. That's the... And the dough, it all goes to pot. Okay, great. And then you go to bed thinking about how healthy you're going to be tomorrow. Or is that just me? Uh, like, if my body could have the benefits of exercise from the amount of time I think about it, I would be ripped. <laughs> I would be absolutely <laughs> lying in bed at night thinking I could get up and do some sit-ups in the morning and some yoga. And then I fall asleep. Anyway, if you were to win a reality TV show, which one would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Strictly. Strictly. Oh, dancing. <laughs> yeah, I, I like a dance, so Strictly would be the best. Excellent, excellent. What's happening in your life right now which most excites you? Apart from the app, I am just finished the first draft of a book. So I'm excited that hopefully that will get picked up at some point this year and I might have a book in the future. That is super exciting. So if anybody out there uh, knows any publishers or agents that want to pick up that book, then... Yeah, send them my way. Exactly, exactly. James, it has been so good to talk to you. Thank you so very much for giving up your time for this Guys Runner podcast. We will obviously put in the show notes all the information about where you can find all things James Hunt and all things stories about autism and obviously the book, the app, the website, the podcast. It'll all be there. Thank you so much for coming. No, thank you, Rachel. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Like you said, it's gone really quick. So it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. This Guys Wonder podcast is a Born at the Right Time production supported by the expert studio assistants of Podshop. Thanks to our wonderful guests for sharing their stories and very precious time. And special thanks to the generosity of listeners whose donations have helped make this podcast. We would love it if you could like, follow and review the podcast wherever you listen. As part of season two, we have some great live events, including the really ropey idea of Sarah, Lucy and I being your agony aunts. Email your stories, comments and questions either to tswupodcast at gmail.com to join in or follow us on Instagram at born at right time. We love you joining us for the ride as we hurtle along this off-piste version of parenting. It's so much better when we do it together. Whatever skies, we're under. <laughs> <laughs>